Hello, hello, hello. You're listening to Real Talk About Depression, a podcast devoted to the uncomfortable subject of depression and suicide. I'm your host, Angela Miller. Today, we are blessed to have our very first guest and one of my absolute dearest friends, Sherry Kennedy. Sherry and I go way back, about 15 years at least, um, when we both served together in various community positions. After my divorce, though, I moved away from that area, but we stayed in touch um, until, unfortunately, our lives intersected again when Sherry tragically lost her son to suicide in 2016. Today, Sherry will be sharing that story, but first, let's get to know her a little bit better. I can tell you that Sherry is truly one of the most generous, loyal, hardworking women that I've ever had the privilege to know. She is a woman of her word. She's dependable, honorable, and full of integrity. And she is committed to our community and serving others. Even after a tragic loss, you will hear how she has used her pain to help bring light to others. Sherry, thank you so much for being here today. Let's start by telling our listeners a little bit more about you. Tell, tell me about yourself. Well, um, I have lived in this area for 33 years, been in the same house for 33 years. I used to work outside of the home, but in 1996, my husband asked me to quit the job and come home and help him with our roofing company, which we've done very well with. Um, I serve at my church. Uh, I love to cook for people. I serve at a soup kitchen. Um, I do weddings and things like that for people for free who can't afford it. Uh, And that's really about it. I have a daughter and three grandchildren stay pretty close all right all right um she's very humble too i can tell you that uh she has made a real footprint in this community and um she's got a great story to tell but let's let's dive in um a little deeper and let's talk about your son kj what was he like uh he was extremely intelligent he had a pretty high iq uh he never really had to do or study for homework. Um, He just came home, did his homework as a young child, and the same when he got to high school. In his high school days, he went to college and high school both, and then he graduated from college with a degree in engineering. Um, He was a very loyal friend, um, very sweet and kind. He also would help anybody who needed help. Uh, He was a pilot, a musician. Um, He had six or so patents with the company that he worked for. We really had no idea that he had any depression issues at all. Okay. Well, on October 5th, 2016, um, your lives changed forever. And I know that it's a day that's forever etched in your memory, even more so because you were the one that found your 29-year-old son. Um, And I know personally, I've always said that the impact of suicide is even greater on those who happen to walk into that unimaginable horror Um, I was fortunate to only see the aftermath. My father found my mother, um, but, you know, we we did see the room later. Um, We saw the bullet holes, and for me, that was even more than I could take in. So tell us about your day as much as you feel comfortable, of course, um, and what that experience was like for you as a mom. Well, I got a telephone call while I was at church setting up for a function. from my friend Carlene Toth, who also worked at the same company as my son. Uh, she said he didn't show up for work and no one could get a hold of him. So I said, okay, I'll run over to his house. So I ran over and uh, 
when I unlocked the door and walked in, um, your mind plays tricks on you. I really didn't understand what was going on. First, it took me a long while to realize that he had taken his life. Um, and then I, I knew I had to call 911. Um, and then I had to call my husband. That was, you know, when somebody's driving, that's the last thing they need to hear. But uh, I had to tell him so he could get there. And then I really didn't know what else to do. So I stood there, and then I thought about calling our dear friend, Pastor Larry Knight. Uh, and I think I was just, I don't even know what I was saying to him. And he finally just said, Sherry, where are you? I'm on my way. So that was the beginning of probably 30 plus people that showed up at KJ's house, um, just wanting to help in any way they could. So. That was, that was a day, and that's about as much as I remember. All right, thank you so much, Sherry, for telling that story. I, I know how difficult it is to go back um, and to remember that day. It's, it's definitely a day that um, you never forget. It's kind of, it leaves a lasting scar, there's no doubt. But um, unlike my situation, my mom had presented and was in treatment for clinical depression. KJ wasn't. So your story doesn't have those pile of clues um, and indicators necessarily like we experienced. So tell me about um, how KJ was before his death. Uh, he was usually very happy. Um, it, they always had Halloween parties at his house. He kept his group of friends he graduated with all together. Um, he was he was just a normal kid to us. I never really saw signs of uh, any type of depression or anything that would, any inkling at all that he would even consider something like that. All right. So um, I know with, with us being that there were signs and uh, afterwards you're like, wow, they were really obvious. Um, so that played a lot into our guilt experience. Um, how did it, how did, you know, not seeing any signs, how did that work in your guilt um, in the aftermath of it all? Well, I went through a period of wondering what I could do, what I did wrong, um, just a multitude of things actually, as you know, as any mother or father would do, uh, just trying to figure out what we missed or how we missed it. Um, and then I spoke to a young man who had tried to take his life and made it clear to me that it wasn't anything I did or anybody else did. It was just him trying to get rid of the pain. He never thought about how it would affect anybody else but himself. Yeah. Um, so this is a, a little bit of a tougher subject to, to handle because the, the warning signals weren't there. Um, so, you know, a lot of times when we're talking about suicide and depression, we're talking about people who are in the midst of it, and we're talking about people that are very obviously being treated for it. So what advice can you offer families, um, you know, where this isn't in the family? It's not a glaring, obvious thing going on. How do we help people that aren't showing these signs? I guess I would have to say questions. Just make sure you ask a lot of questions. I never really asked KJ if, you know, work was overwhelming, was his personal life overwhelming or anything like that. But I think maybe if I would have asked tougher questions, I may have been able to pull out of him um, maybe some things that were bothering him. 
um, you know, now as a as a mom, um, you know, it's 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 always been said that the absolute worst loss that anyone can experience is is losing a child. So um, in the aftermath, you know, you, there's always plenty of support in the beginning um, and at the funeral, but eventually everyone goes home. Um, so tell me what your grief looked like after everyone went home. Well, I'm going to have to tell you that fortunately not everybody went home. <laughs> um, a lot of my family stayed here. My granddaughter stayed here for I don't even know how long just to make sure I was okay. My friend Jerry Rob was here every day food in hand, <laughs> make me eat whatever she could force me to eat. And to this day, she calls me at least every other day, if not every day, just to see how I'm doing, that I want to do something. So my support really never left. Yeah, which is great because it shows the power of community and family and friends um, during during these, these times when we really need people to stay by our sides. And, um, you know, I remember in my own journey... You don't really remember what people are asking or even saying, unless it's really harsh. Um, you just remember their presence, and that's all that any anyone in the, in the middle of a grief process is looking for, is just people to be around them so they don't feel so alone. And uh, Sherry's lived a life that has, you know, really always been welcoming. So when, when she was facing this, her friends and family, you know, and her her community and her church, everyone just rallied around her to help her get through this. So, but we also know that you're not the only one that was reeling from um, such a loss. So tell me about the rest of your family and his friends also and how they were impacted from this. Well, the rest of our family, we've just stuck very close. Uh, my youngest granddaughter does have some anxiety issues that uh, she's been seeing someone and trying to take care of, um, probably this antagonized those fears that she had. Um, his friends, uh, they went on to have weddings that uh, had his fedora and a beer glass of his there at a table just to remember him. I think there was two or three weddings. There's two children named after him. So I think that says a lot for his character and how it affects other people and their friends. I know um, at the funeral home, we had 600 people sign the guest book. And not everybody signed the guest book, but 600 people. Would he have stayed had he known that? There were people who flew here from Denmark. Mm. Yeah. Switzerland, I believe, where he, he was kind of went around the world uh, with his company, Megat. Um, learning different things and teaching different things. So he, people from all over came, California. Um, they just came for the funeral and just to support us. Yeah, yeah. So he was obviously well-loved. Very. Um, yeah, but at the time, he wasn't able to see uh, or experience or feel that. So all he wanted to do was escape the pain that was going on in his head. So um, it's so hard for those of us have never been uh, that far along. You know, I, I, I shared in my story that I, I've, I've experienced depression, experienced suicidal thoughts, but always been able to talk my way out of it. So it's so hard for those of us that have never been at that level um, to understand. But I think that's why we need to talk about it because there are people that are living lives 
that seemingly look wonderful. Um, and they have everything they could ever ask for, but inside there's a lot of suffering and pain. And so that's why we're talking about it, so that we can bring this to light and so we start talking to each other more um, at home and you know, asking the deeper questions that maybe will let this surface. So what um, advice would you give to grieving family members who maybe have recently lost a child to suicide and especially a mom um, who's, who's lost a child to suicide? I guess first, um, don't, don't let it consume you. Um, it's not your fault. You didn't do anything wrong. Um, just take one day at a time and move forward. If you need to talk to a pastor or even a professional, um, Portage Path Mental Health here in our area, Akron, Ohio, uh, is a great place. They don't charge you if you can't afford and they will still treat you. Um, they have free suicide um, awareness groups that get together and talk, so that's always a good thing. But just don't let it consume you. I know it's very hard, but you can't let it consume you because you have to get up every day and move forward. Yeah, thank you. Um, as Sherry pointed out, there's always plenty of local organizations that are ready to uh, help anyone in a grief situation. But I know personally for me, there's a suicide, there was a, when I uh, got back from my mother's funeral, there was a organization, and I'm, I'm pretty sure most communities have this, called Suicide Survivors Group. They meet usually on a weekly basis. They, they run the gamut of ages and experiences. I went a little too early, and so I was not able to even comprehend what was going on, but I do highly recommend that. That's something uh, as a resource for people who may have um, recently lost anyone to suicide. So let's talk about somebody who's maybe in the middle of depression um, and, you know, I think that one of the things with depression and, you know, it's, it doesn't sound necessarily like KJ even realized that he was there. This wasn't something that he even had an awareness of. He maybe had been living, you know, um, with, with these thoughts or just life was starting to wear on wear him down. So what would you tell people? Um, what advice would you give to people who first off don't even understand where they are, are, that they're sitting in depression, or they do understand that they're depressed. And what would you want to say to them? Well, I guess the first thing would be uh, everybody at some time in their life, I think, has these thoughts. Don't think you're the only one, uh, because you are not. People need to start talking about this. So you need to talk to someone about it first. And then, you know, it could be just you need to talk to your mom, your dad, a friend, a little friendly advice to let you know that you're not the first person who's had these thoughts. Don't keep them to yourself. Talk to somebody about them and try to get it out and get help. It could be a, a slight chemical imbalance that you just need a doctor to give you something that helps with your chemical imbalance. It could be just something that you need to say out loud and then you'll feel better so don't keep it in let it out yeah that's great advice and which is one of the reasons why we're we're doing this today is so that we could start talking about it we could start having these conversations in our families um, 
You know, it, it, it never ceases to amaze me that if somebody gets diabetes or um, any other kind of physical condition, we have no problem sitting in our living room talking about it, how we're going to deal with it. But um, yeah, our society tends to bring depression and any kind of mental disorder into this shame level. And so it's, it's almost, you know, it makes people scared to say, I need help. And that's what we need to overcome. We need to move past this because to me, depression is no different than diabetes. It could be a chemical imbalance and you could solve it with some medicine um, and some therapy and stuff. So I, I, I just think that's really good advice is that we need to start talking about this in our families. And we need to, re we need to make this not a shameful thing to talk about. Absolutely, absolutely. Our church has just recently started a movement and they're using the slogan, stay, your story's not over yet. Um, they have stuff on the website to help people with depression. Our pastor's really, really wanting to get involved in helping people get past this. That's beautiful, and especially during our times right now, which I know the depression rates, I, don't, I haven't seen the statistics, I'm scared to see the statistics, but I know that um, depression is up and um, suicide is up significantly also so there is no better time to get this conversation going absolutely yeah all right um so another thing unfortunately that suicide brings into a family is it seems to open a door for others in the family to also consider that as an option so um you know basically just like any physical disease now it becomes a risk factor for other family um, members so I understand that this did end up playing out in your family also. Can you tell me a little bit about that story? Well, probably the first thing that happened was the anxiety with our granddaughter that we had to try to deal with very quickly. And then um, after that, uh, KJ's biological father took his life. Um, I am going to assume that it was guilt. Uh, he was having a really hard time with it. And then since then, um, our nephew has had uh, a really bad bout with depression. Um, so yeah, it moves through the family quickly. Yeah, I'm so sorry to hear about that too. Um, but it does sound like you're talking about it now. So, I am. Yeah, you're open and aware of it and ready to, to be there. Yeah, that's great. All right, so now that you're five years out, um, what have you learned? How have you used KJ's loss to grow and bring meaning to it? Well, I had to do something. So uh, KJ's friend that he worked with, um, Chris and I, went to Portage Path Mental Health and asked them if they would be interested in doing a 5K in KJ's name. And they were ecstatic. So this will be our fifth year. Um, and uh, we've raised over $250,000 uh, for mental health patients. Um, it's called KJ's 5K. It's in uh, Coventry Township, Ohio can always sign up to help. You can sign up to run, walk, bring your animals. Um, we, we give a, some money to the Summit County Dog Pound as well as another organization that saves animals. And then a small amount of money goes for a scholarship at KJ's High School here in Coventry Township. So we've just tried to move forward and help other people. That's great. And then I understand there's actually a race coming up very soon. Yep, October 2nd, um, which is this Saturday, um, will be the fifth annual KJ's 5K. 
And if you happen to be in the Akron area, this is a, a great race to sign up for. You don't have to run. You don't have to be a runner. You can be a walker. Um, it goes through the Portage Lake State Park, so it's beautiful scenery. I don't, haven't seen the weather forecast this weekend, but um, rain or shine, it's going to move forward. And as you can see and hear from what Sherry has told you, they've raised quite a bit of money that goes to the Portage Path Behavioral Health Center, which is located in Akron. And um, they actually give help to people um, with who can't afford it, correct? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So that's great because not everybody has the means to get the help when they are going through this. So... All right, Sherry, well, what, any closing remarks, anything that you'd like to tell our listeners about depression and, and your story and um, any, any, any way to close this out for you? Well, I would just like to say if there's anybody out there suffering, please, please just talk to anybody, somebody to help you. This, this can be such an easy thing to take care of if you just stay maybe five more minutes and talk to somebody about it you'll feel different yes very good advice thank you sherry for your time i know this is a very hard subject to uh, talk about but i i appreciate your honesty and your um, vulnerability and sharing kj's um, story uh, if you're interested i will i will post a link where you could sign up for the race this weekend it's saturday october 2nd and um I want to let you know that next week's episode is going to be about depression awareness. So this uh, KJ story is going to lead us right into being able to find and look for signs of not only depression in yourself, because it's, it's running rampant and a lot of people really don't even know that they're depressed. Uh, they are sitting in this state and they think it's just their personality. I follow a doctor, a holistic doctor, Dr. Sheely, and recently on a podcast, he even said that he believes that 40%, there is 40% of Americans currently uh, in a depression state that could be clinically diagnosed. Unfortunately, only about seven to 8% are actually go to the doctor and get help. So that's 40% of Americans, but not only that, he believes another 40% are in a subclinical diagnosis stage. So you're not gonna meet all the criteria for depression if you were to go to the doctor and talk about it. So that's a lot of people. That's like 80% of our country that is sitting somewhere in a depressive state and they don't even know it. So we really, really, really need to start talking about this and getting open and um, bringing this to light so that you can learn to recognize it should it be something that you're suffering from and don't even know it and so that we can uh, bring this to light for our family members and get them the help they need. So again, if you are experiencing depression right now, or if you are even on the edge, we just want you to know, we want you to stay. We want you to hold on because suicide leaves behind a generation. Um, generations are just going to have to deal with this painful loss. And we want you to stick around because you are loved. Until next week.